Good evening. We are going to continue in Philippians tonight. We're going to continue Philippians chapter 2. Um, and we get to look at the life of, I think, one of my favourite Bible characters. Uh, we get to look a little bit at the life and the call of Timothy. Um, so let's open and we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read from verses 19 to 24. I'll be reading this from the ESV translation, and it reads, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone else uh, looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proven himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Let's pray. Father, would you open our hearts this evening? Lord, would you take away anything that distracts us tonight, Lord? Would you open our hearts? Would you speak to us clearly? And would we learn something of your character, something of who you are this evening. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been going through Philippians over a while, um, for quite a while now. And we, what we've looked at really, what we can summarise in, in the first part of Philippians is we've seen Paul, uh, Paul's experiences, the situation that he finds him in, uh, himself in. And then we see him elevate Christ. We see him give Christ is the ultimate example of humility, of a servant heart. We see that example in Paul as well. And we looked at just the ultimate example that there is in Christ. We looked at the adoration that is just poured upon Christ by Paul. Last time we looked at this idea of a submissive mind, a mind that is given to God, a mind that is all about growing in Christ and the things of Christ. And that mind that is committed to that, that can find joy in even the hardest places, um, of which we know Paul found himself in many of those. This passage, we find a break from the passage before, and Paul, I guess, is moving on to talk about these two new people, and I think it's interesting as a reader because you read first of Jesus, then you read of Paul, and they're pretty hard guys to emulate. You know, if you want examples of two great people, obviously we have Christ, and then we're followed by Paul. It can feel a little bit detached for us because we have the great apostle, we have the great savior. So I think he gives us a couple of examples of other guys who are doing amazing things, who are really humble, but I think are a little bit more relatable for us. So he moves into this. He moves into this um, telling us that his intention is to send Timothy on this mission to Philippi. So Paul gives us these two examples. Two examples of what are ordinary men, I would say. Pretty ordinary men. And we're going to focus on the first one uh, tonight, who is Timothy. This example is given to us. Why? I think because Timothy is a trustworthy guy. I think we see that a lot in his character, a lot in who he is. Um, and that there is this example in Timothy that is to be followed by other believers. Paul probably met Timothy on his first missionary journey back in Acts uh, 14, probably somewhere near the time of his conversion. 
Um, and again, in Acts 16, we see an encounter uh, when he brought on Timothy uh, to come and labour with him. I think what we see in Timothy is we see a man that is so bound by the work of Christ, that so gets the gospel that, that that's what his focus is, that everything else pales into insignificance. We'll see a real kind of extreme example in a bit of, of I guess, Timothy's commitment to the furtherance of the gospel. I think we see a natural servant in Timothy. We see somebody, we see a man that is here to serve. We see that again in this text very, very clearly. But the first thing I want to pull out is something of Timothy's life that I think is really important to frame this. There isn't in this passage here. You know, I found it interesting. We were speaking with our young people this morning about Moses. We were kind of going through the narrative of Moses' life, some of the important parts. And such a standout part of the story of Moses is, I will be with you. Other words of God. Moses wasn't anything special. He was a scared guy. He fought God. He didn't know what was going on. But you know, God was with him. And I think that's amazing that throughout the whole of Scripture, how, may, how, do, how many people do we see that are worthy of God? We don't see any. And we saw that in Moses. And what we see in Timothy is we see a man that we know from Acts 16 who was born to a Jewish mother who was a believer and to a Greek father. He came from a family that wasn't, wasn't what you would expect. You would expect two believing parents. You would expect them brought up from birth in the ways of Christ. You would expect this man that's well polished, that's good. This meant he was probably brought up in a Greek context. And I think this is a great thing to frame this tonight. This idea that, you know what? It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter your family history. It doesn't matter their struggles. It doesn't matter the brilliance of your own family either. Because do you know what? If we're serious about serving God, as Timothy was, God will use you. How comforting is that? How often does it feel like we can be held back by these things or excelled forward in some people's cases as well? But do you know, Timothy's dad wasn't a believer. Timothy's dad didn't follow the ways of Christ. But do you know, it's so all about the heart that God said, do you know what, Timothy's got this. Timothy understands who I am. And God used Timothy. Some of us are from Christian homes. Some of us might be embarrassed at the mention of our parents. Some of us might have had great parents that weren't believers. We all come from different situations. But what we see in this example of Timothy is this clean slate for those that believe in Christ. That what goes before doesn't matter. What matters now is the heart that is in you what matters is your relationship with Jesus Christ not anybody else's so let's get into this text um, in verses 19 to 21 we read something of the servant mindedness of Timothy the words read this I hope in the Lord Jesus uh, to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Time and time again, so far in this letter, we know that Paul wants to be with his friends. We, know, we see this incredibly close relationship, but it's not possible because at the minute, Paul is in chains. So he comes up with a contingency plan. And his contingency plan is to send Timothy to go and see them. 
Again, Timothy's unique, and I think he's well-placed for this. Because of his upbringing, because of the, the culture that he will have been surrounded with, I think it makes him a unique kind of guy that's able to minister very well into this context. And God is also using the experiences of Timothy. He's using the upbringing that he's had for the glory of the kingdom. And again, that's amazing. We know that Timothy had been with Paul for a long time, about 10 years. So if you're going to comment on someone and you've known them for 10 years, you think you can make quite a good judgment. So I think what the accounts that we read here of Paul are really accurate accounts because this is somebody that knows the heart. If you spend a close 10 years with somebody, you're going to know them pretty well. And that's the relationship that these two guys had. Verse 20, we read, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. First thing this tells us, Timothy cares about people. He was concerned for the needs of people. Quite like Paul, he wasn't interested in power. He wasn't interested in the influence. He wasn't interested in the big stuff. He wasn't interested in the glory. But you know what? He cared for the needs of people. His genuine interest lay in the physical and the spiritual welfare of his friends, of his people. How unglamorous is that? But how servant-minded, how gospel-centered is that? That his, his, his burning desire was the welfare of fellow Christians. And we do, we see this common spirit between Paul and Timothy coming out here. Both of them care about people, deeply care about people. And they were more concerned with people than looking good. Something that we totally see uh, from the life of Christ within the previous verses that went before. And you know, the two of them were so focused within the same objective of seeing Christ, uh, seeing souls one for Christ. They were so focused. So focused that nothing else would take away from that. We know that there's problems going on in this church. We've read about them, that there's, there's division coming, there's problems, there's arguments, pathetic stuff, petty stuff that is at risk of uh, causing real problems in the church. Stuff of no note that's not doctrine, but just small things that are getting into the gaps. And you know, Paul wanted to go, but he couldn't. As we move in through these verses, what we see and what we know, based in, in Romans 16, we see something of the number of Christians that there are in Rome. We see him in those verses, Greek 26 of them by name. Yet what do we read? Not one of them was available. No one. He had to send Timothy. Why? What do we read? Because you know what? Nobody else really wanted to go. Nobody else was available to go to see them. Verse 21, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. How he, how he made that plea, we don't know. But you know what? People were so absorbed in themselves. They were so absorbed in what was going on that they had no time for God's mission. And I think we see a massive contrast here. If we go back to uh, chapter 1, verse 21, we read, for, uh, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you flip that, the same verse in chapter 2, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. For me to die is gain, I look out for my own interests. 
Two complete parallels. And I think it's our first challenge that comes from this scripture tonight. What camp are we in today? Where are we tonight? Are we in this camp where we're like, do you know what? It is all about Jesus. I've got that. I understand that everything is about Christ. The work that Christ has done in me to see that influence the people around me. To see that impact on my life and, and affect my attitudes, my behaviours, what I do. Or are we like the other guys who are saved? We know that. He's not just turning to a bunch of pagans saying, do you want to go to the church and teach them? But he's turning to fellow believers. But you know what? They were looking out for their own interests. Hey, we're busy. We've got busy lives. We've got stuff going on. Are we in that camp? Are we in the camp with God, with Paul, with Timothy? That's ready. That's ready for whatever opportunities throw their way at us. Are we ready to go where God is calling us? Are we a people that says, give me Christ and sacrifice everything else? Everything else comes second. Do you believe it? Do we believe that true life is found in Christ? Because if we do, we should not be like these people that look out for their own interests. Or are we in this second camp? Are we so preoccupied with our own interests, so self-absorbed in what's going on in my life that you know what, we're detached. We're detached from the needs of the people. We're detached from what God wants for us. Again, these weren't pagans, these were Christians. It's like the men that we read of. The men that were preaching so hard when Paul was in prison because they wanted to gain his authority. Again, Christians that were preaching the gospel, but they were doing it not to see Christ glorified, but to see themselves elevated. Paul's response to that, what was it? I don't care, as long as Christ is being preached. They can have all the glory if they want it, as long as Jesus is being glorified. Again, those preachers were Christians. They were preaching the gospel but they become so preoccupied. They become so preoccupied with themselves, so preoccupied with their own interests, that you know what? The needs of fellow Christians had been sidelined. How sad is that? How sad is it that the need of believers, the need of support that there was, that there was a bunch of people that were so self-absorbed that they couldn't go. They were so self-absorbed that they couldn't go and do the work of God. And do you know what? The needs of the people, because of that, were neglected. Do you know what? It's good to be busy. You know, we're, we're people that have full lives, and that's not a bad thing. We're not called to be lazy, to sit about all day and do nothing. But God never calls us to be so busy that we miss opportunities. We're never called to be so busy that we don't have time to care for someone. That we don't have time to encourage someone. That we don't have time to offer someone an invitation to church. We're never called to be that busy. Timothy had this natural concern for the welfare of others. He had this mind of a servant. The mind of the servant Christ that he had when he came to earth. As Paul talks of Christ, our incredible God that came to earth in the form of a servant, Jesus didn't come for his own interests, did he? 
If he was doing this for his own interest, he would never have been here. But he came because it was in our interest. And this, this is the example of God. This is the example of Paul. This is the example of Timothy. And you know, it's a shame. It's really sad that these believers in Rome are so busy with their own stuff and with themselves, with their own issues. That they couldn't see the need. Do you know, there would have been things going on in Rome as well. There would have been things going on in this church, something referred to in in those preachers there. And you know, it's one of the real shames of problems in churches and divisions in churches because they divert time and strength and energy away from the work of the church and towards just being busy, towards dealing with such insignificant problems that don't advance the kingdom of God. They were so absorbed in the things that were going on around them that they couldn't move forward. But Timothy wasn't interested in getting involved in that stuff. He wasn't interested in his personal preference. He was only interested in the mission of God. He was only interested in the spiritual condition of fellow believers. And that concern comes naturally to him. It's my first question tonight. How busy are you? Are we like the Christians in Rome in verse 21? For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. It's a hard question, isn't it? How busy are we? We're all called to be servant-hearted people. And you know, if we're too busy, if we're too busy to be involved in the work of Christ, then there's a problem there. Let's be people like Timothy. Let's be a people that care about others. Do you know, it's not rocket science, it's the example of Christ that we read of. Christ came because he put our needs before his own. That's what we're called to do, to put our needs of others before ourselves. When was the last time you supported somebody in need in the church? When was the last time you encouraged someone? When was the last time you noticed someone wasn't here or you noticed that, you know, there's something not right with them? Did you ask if they're okay? When was the last time, you know, you went out of your way to think about these things, to ask people, to support people? And, you know, I think it can be easy in, in church sometimes to think, you know, somebody else has got that. You know, we can stick a name to Robbie and Robbie's got this dealt with and Robbie will get his teams on it and it will be sorted. But this is the call and Robbie does a fantastic job and his teams do fantastic jobs. But the care of the people is not primarily their job. The care of God's people is the mission of each and every one of us. Where can we be different this week? Where can we be servants this week? Where can we offer support and encouragement and care? We'll move on to our next point. Verse 22, it reads, But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. We read about how natural it comes to Timothy, how natural the concern of people comes to him. But you know, he wasn't born with that trait. 
Yes, people can be more caring than others, but you're not born with this trait that gives you this passion, this fire eh, to go and to care for people. But it was this trait that God was growing inside of him. And I think this is really interesting, but we know that, that Paul didn't add Timothy to his team the day that he was saved. Why? Because that would have been foolish. You can't take somebody that's been saved on day one and, and expect them to be full of knowledge, expect them to be wise and understanding of the ways of the Lord. Paul knew that. How could someone that's just been saved, that's exploring the beauty and what it is to know Christ, be strong enough in their faith to lead others? They can't. So what did Paul do? He left them behind. And to become part of the church fellowship. And in that fellowship he grew. He grew in spiritual matters. He learned, he learned how to serve people in big ways, in small ways. He found ways in the local church that he could do stuff. And in Acts 16.2, in a report back to Paul, it says, Timothy was well reported of the brethren. They turned around and they said, you know, this guy's doing good. This guy's getting stuck in. This guy is doing stuff. And I think that this is really important. And this is something that's got me thinking as much as it will anywhere else. But it is crucial that we as a church, not just give our young people, but give those that are young in faith opportunities to serve. We see here that the church that, that Paul has sent Timothy into was a place that he could explore his giftings. It was a place that he could explore what God was calling him to do. The church should be a place that nurtures, that develops and that disciples young Christians so that we might see more Timothys. We might see more Timothys that do incredible things. For me, that's my story. I felt called to ministry and I got stuck in for, for three and a half years in my local church doing big things, doing little things, doing everything in between. And through that, through that experience, through that learning, through that growing, you become more refined, you gain knowledge, you gain wisdom, you understand better how to serve people. Three and a half, or well, four and a half years ago now, would I have been ready to go into full-time ministry? Of course I wouldn't. I would have been running around, I still do run around like a headless chicken a bit, but I definitely would have been running around like a headless chicken then, without a clue what I was doing, because we need to know. For me, without the investment, without the discipleship I was given, I wouldn't be here. For Timothy, if he wasn't part of his local church, if he wasn't given opportunity in his local church, he wouldn't have been the man that he was. We must be a church that gives young Christians space to explore, to learn, to train, and to develop. I'm scratching my head as to how we're going to do all that, but it's exciting. It's a good challenge to have. It's a challenge that we should be thinking about how can we give young Christians opportunity in the church to serve? Do you know, I was speaking to a friend at the Baptist Assembly on Thursday and he was telling me the story of if he got saved and he was 15 and he was on fire for the Lord and he went into his church and he wanted a job and for the next three years he faithfully gave out the notice sheet at the door. That's great, that's fantastic and thank you to people that welcome. It's vitally important. But that was it. That was the opportunity that he had because, well, you're young and we've got to find a space for you. So just hold those and hand those out. That, that'll be you. Stay over there. He wasn't given that opportunity at a young age to explore, to explore his faith, to explore what God was calling him into. Do you know, there's a story. I, I really like this story. Um, 
there was a popular musician that visited a pastor and he announced that he'd been saved and that he wanted to serve the Lord. What should he do? Uh, what should I do, he asked. Well, I suggest you unite with a good church and start growing, the pastor said. Is your wife a Christian? No, she isn't, the musician replied. I hope to win her, but do I have to wait? I mean, I really like to do something for God right now. No, you don't have to wait to witness for the Lord, explained the pastor. Get busy in your local church. Use your talents. Do what you're good at for Christ. But you don't know who I am, the man protested. I'm a big performer. Everybody knows me. I want to start my own organization, make records, appear in front of big crowds, be famous, do good things. If you're going too fast, warned the pastor, you may hurt yourself and you may hurt your testimony. And the place to start winning people is right here at home. God will open up places of service for you as he sees you ready. Meanwhile, study the Bible and give yourself a chance to grow. The man didn't take the pastor's counsel. Instead, he set up this big organization and he started out on his own. His success lasted a few months. Not only did he lose his testimony because he wasn't strong enough to carry the heavy burdens that came with what he was doing, but the constant travelling alienated him from his family. He drifted away, disappeared from the public ministry, and was broken and bankrupt. And this quote sums him up. His branches, uh, his branches go out further than his roots go deep. I think that's a really great saying, and I think that's what Timothy is all about. That's what we see in this section here. That, you know, he went in his train because our roots need to be deep before the branches can be wide. Paul didn't make that mistake with Timothy. He gave him time to get his roots sorted out. He gave him space to learn, to grow. And then he spent time personally training him up. He taught Timothy the word... What better person to sit under than the Apostle Paul? And you see, Timothy listened to the words of Paul. Do you know, I'm, I'm completely convinced of this, but our culture tells us that we need to make our own mistakes. And I think it's the most tragic piece of advice you could possibly be given. Because if we want to do well, if we want to excel in things, learn from other people's mistakes. Why would you want to make the mistakes somebody else has made? If somebody else has made it, learn from it. And that's what Timothy did. Timothy learned from the mistakes, the wise counsel that he was under. That's what it was all about. But I come back to this question. Where are we as a church providing opportunities for our young people to lead? Not just our young people, but our young Christians. Those that are new to the faith. To lead and to grow. How are we investing in the church? Not the church of tomorrow, but the church that are the church of today. They're big questions, they're big things that we need to think. But if we are a church that is convinced we need to bring up the next uh, group of disciples, the future of the church well, then we need to be a church that is committed to that. The final thing that I think we see in verses 23 and 24 is, is the reward of Timothy, the reward of his training, the reward of his patience. It says this, I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. 
Timothy understood something of the idea of sacrifice and service. We sacrifice to God. God gives us opportunities. Back in verse 17, before what we just read, the, the principle that Paul gives us. And you know, we see God reward them for his faithfulness. We see God reward them for his patience. Timothy had the joy of loving other people. He had the joy of serving other people in the local church. He was in the local church, so of course there was problems. There was difficult times, there was hard situations, but there would have been so many blessings in there as well. Timothy understood what it was to serve. He was a good and faithful servant. He was faithful in the small things, so God rewarded him in the big things. And through this, the servant mind had grown inside him. His joy had grown. We see massive sacrifice in Timothy in Acts 16.3. He was circumcised so that he would be accepted in the mission field of the Jews. That's crazy. That is sacrifice for the purposes of God. I can't quite imagine what that conversation would have been like, but Paul rocking up with his knife. Well, not rocking up with his knife because he was in prison, but somebody rocking up with his knife to Timothy and being like, brother, you want to be a missionary? You've got to sacrifice before you can go and serve them. That was sacrifice, but he got it and he went ahead with it. I would, maybe there was a bit of an argument. We don't see anything of that. Maybe he's just that humble. He was like... Go for it. If that's what I need to do, that's what we'll do. But that's massive sacrifice. I don't think if that's a sacrifice somebody asked me to make, I don't think it'd be happening. But he had this joy of serving people. He had this joy of serving with Paul. Of assisting him in the most difficult stuff. But you know, now he was called as the replacement of Paul. What greater honour was that? That he was called... To Philippi. Paul sent him to Philippi. He sent him as a substitute. It's funny because the reward of Timothy to the world looks like such a rubbish reward. But his reward was service. His reward was opportunity. His reward was serving God. How redundant is that to the world? Like how he had to go out of his way to serve others. It doesn't make any sense to the world. But to the Christian, what joy. What joy there is in serving God and participating in the mission of God. How focused, how servant-minded this guy have to be to see that the greatest privilege there was, was serving God. He was offered the opportunity, he was given the opportunity to bring the message of hope to the believers in Philippi. Do you know, tonight, if we are in Christ, our challenge is not to be like the Christians in Rome. It's not to be too busy. It's not to miss the opportunities that come to us day by day. But the challenge to us is to be like Timothy. To be people that are ready. And do you know that might come with inconvenience? It might come with financial implications to us. There's all sorts of things it might mean for us. But if that's what God is calling us to do, we've got to go. And do you know, for most of us, we're probably not going to be sent to a far-off land. But if you are, explore that calling, go for it. If that's what God wants you to do, I encourage you all the way to go for it. But there's opportunities everywhere we look. I was at a conference yesterday um, with David, Robbie and Nathan and 
The pastor that was speaking, uh, a guy from Bedford called uh, Dr. Ray Evans, fa fascinating guy, been in his church for 36 years. His church had grown from a membership of 75 to over 500 with various church plants in there as well. And what, what amazed me from what he was saying, it was also quite helpful because he spoke through Philippians, so he gave me some good ideas on top of that that we'll come to in a minute. But do you know what he said? Between their carol services at Christmas, they have three and a half thousand people turn up. Because he said the best thing that they did, that he developed in that church, was an invitation culture. Did you know that's what it was all about? That it, do you know, people invite people. And he, he gave a story after story of journeys that took, some of them, 20 years of just bumping into people. There was somebody that for 14 years old, he said, do you want to come to the carol service? No, no, no. Year 15, yes, three months at a Christian. Mental. How afraid are we? How afraid are we of people saying no? What's going to happen? If we're friends with somebody, nobody's going to be deeply offended that you've invited them to church. But what a challenge that was from him yesterday. It was a brilliant challenge. And it was so encouraging to see somebody that is so captivated by the opportunities. To hear of a pastor of this church that, that so many of his friends, so many of the people he encountered had come to Christ because he took the opportunities. None of those were ridiculous. None of those were massively out of his way. That was him just being intentional in his conversation. I don't expect our carol services to be massive, but that was it. He just took the opportunities and he invited people. He wasn't being asked to do what Timothy was doing and, and go to Philippi, to go and to serve the people over there. Do you know, the submissive mind, the mind of a servant doesn't grow in us by listening to sermons. It doesn't grow in us by weeks of seminars and classes. It doesn't even grow in us by serving others. But it comes from how we respond to God. If we yield ourselves before God, if we seek the Lord above all else, and we seek to serve others in that, that is where this mind comes from, this mind that finds joy in everything. Do you know the final thing that, and I'm totally stealing this from the guy yesterday that I really liked. Um, so, Ray, this goes out to you. But he said, he's, uh, Paul says, like the father, uh, he talks about the father and the son. Where are we? Verse 22. But you know, Timothy has proven his worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. The father sends the son and the son goes. Paul sends Timothy and Timothy goes. As God, the father sent the son that came. And there's this phenomenal parallel in here that, that ties up and sums up what we're looking at here. Christ came in submission of the will of the father. Christ came because he knew what had to be done. And Timothy went. Because his father, his spiritual father, Paul told him to go. And he understood that Paul's intentions were right, so he went. If God is calling us, God is calling us, each and every one of us, to take opportunities. To witness to others. To show others the glorious news of Christ. So where are we tonight? Where are, where are our minds tonight? Where are we on this journey of submission to Christ. 
Are we growing in our joy or are we stagnant? And again, the beauty of the gospel is, you know, if things are tough and things are stagnant, we serve a wonderful God that forgives us instantly. All we have to do is yield ourselves to him, come before him, and tomorrow we wake and tomorrow is a new day. We start again. How could you want to serve any other God than that? The God that no matter how many times I mess up, continually forgives me, continually gives me opportunities to serve him. Paul got joy. Despite his rubbish circumstances, he understood joy. Timothy understood joy. Do we understand joy? If we know the joy of the Lord, we will be a people that are as radical as Paul, that are as radical as Timothy, but ultimately are as radical as Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what challenge there is in this example of Timothy. What challenge there is in the example of Christ. Lord, we are so unworthy. We are so unworthy of you. But yet, Lord, you use us. Lord, would you help us? Would you train us? Lord, would you help us grow in the submissive mind? To grow in our servant-heartedness that just wants to see your well done. Lord, we thank you that you take us back time and time and time again. That your grace that's lavished upon us never runs out. Lord, we are so in awe of you. We are so in debt of you for all that you have done. Lord, would you grow your joy in us so that no matter what tomorrow brings, we will know that Christ reigns supreme. Lord, you are so good. Lord, would you help us to join in your mission? Would you help us to, to join with you in the incredible work that you are doing here on earth? Lord, we exalt you and we thank you. Amen.